0: been 22 years since the terror attacks in New York City, Washington, D.C., and the skies over Pennsylvania. The weather that day was beautiful until the clear blue skies blew up and the twin towers of the World Trade Center came down. For my husband, Sean, that day brings a feeling of dread and sorrow. All 12 of the firefighters who were working in my husband's firehouse died that day. The riding list, handwritten in chalk, listing all the men who were on duty that day, still hangs on the firehouse wall, forever preserved in glass. Looking back, those weeks and months are a blur to my husband. He, along with the rest of the surviving members of 4035, spent weeks and months digging through the wreckage trying to find remains. What started as a search and rescue became a long recovery effort. And now, 22 years later, first responders like my husband are feeling the effects of digging through that toxic mess, looking for their friends and co-workers. Thousands of Americans died that day, but many more are still dying from World Trade Center illness. On today's podcast, I have two guests to help us remember what happened on that day. Our first is Governor George Pataki, who served three terms as the 53rd governor of the state of New York. As governor during the 9-11 attacks, he led the state through the recovery efforts. He also led the rebuilding of Ground Zero, highlighted by the development of the memorial, the Freedom Tower, and the transformation of Lower Manhattan into a 24/7 work-live community. Every year, his foundation, the Pataki Center, hosts a memorial ceremony to honor those who have dedicated their life to rebuilding New York State after 9/11, showing outstanding leadership in their community and paying tribute to those who lost their lives in the enduring spirit. Of freedom, Governor Pataki, this is the anniversary of 9-11, 22 years. Uh, does it seem like yesterday for you? Uh,
1: it seems like yesterday, virtually every September 11th. And I don't think, Janice, that's ever going to change. Just the horror of that day, the magnitude of the loss, and uh, the fact that we're still dealing with the aftermath of it today is something that uh, you just wish we had never gone through.
0: hmm What were you thinking when you heard of the first plane um, crashing into the World Trade Center?
1: You know, Janice, the first plane, I thought, my God, how could this be such a horrible accident? Uh, But then the minute I saw the second plane hit, it was clear we were under attack and that uh, we had to just immediately start responding to save as many lives as possible and prevent any other follow-on attacks. And uh, for all the sadness and horror of that day, Uh, I think of how New Yorkers and Americans responded beginning right after those attacks began. Uh, And you can't help but feel a sense of pride about how America came together and responded.
0: I feel the same way. You know, obviously... Being married to a firefighter, someone who survived that day and has survivor's guilt uh, to this day, um, you think about the sacrifices, you think about these brave men and women that ran towards danger uh, while others were trying to run away. It really, it, it's still breathtaking to me that those people um, just wanted to do good.
1: Absolutely. Certainly the firefighters. And we lost 343 of them that day and the police officers and the EMTs. And, you know, later on that afternoon, well, actually, it was just an hour or so later, I went down to ground zero and I saw lines of people. And I thought, well, they're waiting to escape lower Manhattan uh, because of what might happen next. And instead, they were all in line to give blood trying mm. to help. And it was that unbelievable outpouring of just uh we've been attacked and we're going to get through this regardless of what it takes that uh, still uh, for all the sadness and horror of that day leaves me with a sense of pride.
0: Mm -hmm. So what happens as a governor when something like this happens? Uh, You know, I'm curious the sort of the inner workings of, you know, somebody gives you the details and then, you know, what happens?
1: You know, you just have to act and you have to act right away. And uh, the first thing is, I was in New York City that day and uh, my troopers who were always with me for security say, "Okay, we're going to get a helicopter and take you to the state command center in Albany uh, because they have a secure underground bunker with great communications. And I just thought for a minute and said, you know, I can't be the governor can't be running from New York and trying to send a message of uh, of strength. So I told him, no, it's the only time in 12 years I. Disobeyed my security detail and said, "We're going to stay here." And uh, then I began, you know, activating our emergency response team. I called Mayor Giuliani right away and told him uh, we were the steps we were taking. I called President Bush and asked him to shut down the airspace because we didn't know if there'd be further attacks, and he had already shut down the airspace over America. And then, you know, we have a—I had a tremendous emergency response team, and. Immediately activated the National Guard, secured the bridges and tunnels and airports, activated our emergency uh, fire response, uh, uh, statewide fire mutual aid system. And you mentioned your husband was a firefighter, and of course they were all uh, taking to ground zero. So we immediately had uh, fire departments from all across the state coming into New York City to backfill uh, in the in the, uh, the stations where they they had gone to ground zero. So. Uh, I had a great team. We had a tremendous response, and uh, I'm very proud of that.
0: Mm -hmm. What are the lessons that we learned from that day?
1: I think the biggest lesson, you know, is that we can't be complacent and take our freedom for granted. Uh, That morning, you know, we weren't at war. We weren't under attack. uh, But we didn't realize that there were those around the world who not only uh, resented us for our belief in freedom— but would attack us for that belief, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and particularly freedom of religion. Uh, and, and that's the lesson that I fear too many Americans in general and certainly uh, uh, too many politicians in power in Washington 22 year, li- years later have forgotten.
0: You know, I've heard people say we need a nine eleven again to bring us back as a country. And of course, you don't want a tremendous tragedy to happen. But there was something very healing um, that happened afterwards. You saw the heroes. You saw neighbors helping neighbors. We were all in this together. We didn't care who voted for whom. Uh, it was really, you know us against the world. We could do anything. Um, We were going to be back better than ever, resilient. And it's almost like we've lost a little bit of that.
1: Uh, Janice, we've lost not just a little bit. We've lost a tremendous amount of that. Uh, That day, September 11th, and literally for months thereafter, uh, we were as united as a country as I've ever seen in my lifetime. We weren't Republicans, Democrats, Black, white, young, old, North, South. We were Americans. And we were going to stand together and get through this. And, you know the the idea that we need another horrible incident like that to pull ourselves together really to me is just uh is just totally untrue we're still americans what we need is a leader we need leadership mm. that inspires us with a common direction and a common goal as opposed to dividing us for partisan or ideological gain and there are those people out there and i'm by nature an optimist and sadly we don't have that type of inspiring unifying leadership in washington right now but there's no reason we can't have that again
0: mm-hmm. i saw that you made a comment about president biden being in alaska on 9 11.
1: yeah it's just to me uh this is a date like december 7th pearl harbor day uh that you don't forget and you that that you always recognize and uh the idea that that the president can't stop I mean, literally at the Pentagon right across the Potomac River from the White House, Uh, or he could skip another climate meeting, which is going to be completely ineffective, so he could get back to honor those who died on September 11th. It's just a symbol uh, of, I think, his administration that wants to look the other way. Uh, They want to look the other way at Afghanistan, where we know uh, al-Qaeda and ISIS uh, are uh, reorganizing and regrouping. They want to look the other way about the southern border, where we know Dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of people who are on the terrorist watch watch lists have crossed the border illegally. So I think it's just another example of Biden's failure to understand the nature of the world we live in today.
0: Mm. What are you going to be doing on this day on 9-11?
1: Well, that morning, uh, as every morning, I I will be at Ground Zero, where uh, there are moments of silence commemorating when the the planes hit and the towers fell The names will be read, and then uh, uh, I'll be meeting with some of those who played such a critical role on that day. And that evening, Janice, my center, the Pataki Center, is uh, holding, as we do every year, a reception to honor some of those who uh, performed so gallantly, uh, the undersung heroes of that day, and others who have just, uh, in their own way, worked to advance the cause of freedom. So I think we want to remember those who helped so much. And we lost on September 11th. But we also want to look forward and honor those who are fighting every day for the cause of freedom.
0: Do you want to tell us about some of those unsung heroes?
1: <laughs> well, we, as you know, we've done it in the past. And uh, I'll just tell you one story. You know, if you go to lower Manhattan today, it is incredibly vibrant. It is full of people. The offices, towers have been rebuilt. There was a tremendous buzz of excitement. Uh, that was not the case. The The, the word was, leave New York. Uh, we've been attacked. We can't have concentrated companies, global financial companies, so close together. And three days after the attack, that Friday, I got a call from Ken Chenault, who was the president of American Express. And their offices were literally right across the street from the Twin Towers. And they had been damaged horribly. Uh, in the attacks. And he says, my board is meeting on Monday. They want to leave lower Manhattan. Uh, and then he said, I don't want them to. I'm going to try to talk him out of it. But I need assurance that we will have special security because we're an American express. We're a symbol of American capitalism and entrepreneurship. And uh, uh, and our workers, quite frankly, are afraid. They'd seen the attacks in 1993, and then they saw them again just three days ago. And Uh, And we talked and I said, Ken, I will provide, guarantee you, whatever special security American Express needs, we will provide. And without even a handshake, that Monday, the board met and he called me back and said, the board just agreed to extend our lease for 10 years in lower Manhattan. And that was probably the first major business decision that sent a message that it was okay to be in New York. It was okay to be in lower Manhattan. We weren't going to run away. We weren't going to hide. We were going to rebuild and grow better right here in New York. So Mm -hmm. he's one of those who no one knows the story, but I know the story and I know the impact of his leadership on that day.
0: Why is it important to remember this day?
1: You know, it's so easy to forget and uh, to act just like it's September 10th of 2001 and take it, take our freedom for granted, take our uh, ability to speak as we choose uh, for granted. Uh, But just as that day, there were those who resented and would attack us for it. There still are today. Uh, And we have to be vigilant and we can't just wait for a horrible incident and then react. We have to be proactive in defending our freedom. And, uh, you know, the further we get from September 11th, the more I fear that people Forget that lesson, uh, particularly in Washington and particularly, uh, as I see it, I think, uh, indicated over and over. But from the Biden administration that they just don't understand that uh, uh, we can't just uh, pretend that those who particularly radical Islamists who still hate America and want to punish us for our freedom are still out there and still looking for an opportunity to attack us again.
0: Mm-hmm. We have to remember that, you know, the, the museum down there is really incredible. And when I talk to New York, I, when I talk to visitors that are here in New York, uh, more times than not, they tell me that that's on their to see list, which brings me great hope that that museum alone is sort of, you know, giving us the history that we need uh, to tell our children about what happened on that day.
1: Well, Janice, that was exactly the idea of what we were doing at uh, Ground Zero. I was getting clobbered every day. You know, you're not doing things quick enough or fast enough or this isn't happening. But from the beginning, I said we were going to do it right. And we were going to do it so that people who weren't born on September 11th could go there and understand both the magnitude of the loss. And we do that with the reflecting pools and the names of the people who died where the actual towers stood. And then we want to tell the story of the courageous response uh, so that people can see that it wasn't just um, us cowering in the in the face of these attacks, but responding heroically. And that's what the museum does. So uh, uh, I think we accomplished exactly what we wanted to do. Uh, pe- kids who weren't born 22 years ago can go there and have some understanding of the magnitude of the loss and the courage of the response and the importance of our belief in freedom and uh you know janice uh, i was there just two weeks ago uh and i i was with a group of school kids and their parents and i told them i would take them and show them and uh we did the tour of the, of the uh, memorial plaza and the reflecting pools and then started down into the museum and the I just couldn't do it. And it's just too emotional for me, you know, mm-hmm. but that's but that's the idea. Uh, I don't have to go. I was there. But for those kids who weren't born on those dates and their parents who weren't near here on that date, to be able to go and sense that emotion, I think, really is something that's critical if we're never going to forget the, le- the lessons we should have learned after September 11th. Mm -hmm.
0: And what do you tell the people who are still feeling grief and sorrow on this day? You know, I, I think of my husband and he lost all the men that he that were working that day in his firehouse. You know, he was off that day. He thinks about them. He thinks about the fact that why was he spared sometimes? What do you tell people who still, you know, they wake up and they remember these terrible memories and it's really hard to, you know, wrap their head around it for another year?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's so hard for them when uh, when you lost, like your husband did, his, his colleagues in the, the fire department. And so many people, like both of us, I'm sure, lost friends. And just imagine if you lost your family, your husband, your wife, your two kids, as, uh, as a number of firefighter families did. The horror will never go away. And mm. I think there are two things. One is to say we understand. Uh, you're never going to forget them and you're never going to f- not feel the sorrow that comes from having lost them. But you, owe- the second part is you owe it to them to move forward, mm-hmm. uh, to help make this country, this city, this uh, the community you live in a little bit better because that's what they did every day. And that's what we're still here and have the ability to do. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's appropriate to grieve, to not forget and to remember and have a sense of loss. But in their honor, Carry forward and help make things better.
0: And I think about all the first responders and all the people that decided to serve after 9-11. You know, that really, it, it's humbling to think about that that event, that tragic event, you know, inspired people to want to be better and, and walk in the footsteps of those people that, you know, that died trying to save others.
1: Absolutely. Their loss inspired a country. And we were talking earlier about a sense of unity and that came from a recognition of the courage uh, and sacrifice that they made. And, you know, we have a volunteer military today. I don't think we would have it if it weren't for the fact that so many young people said, this is my country. It's my obligation, not just to sit back and watch what's happening on TV, but to serve this country. And and I think that is a tribute to uh, the next generation's understanding of the man of the courage of those that uh, responded so heroically on that day Mm
0: -hmm. and tell me about the pataki foundation because you're doing such good work i want to highlight that as well
1: well you know we started we thought september 11th is a day america shouldn't forget but certainly those of us who were here in my administration shouldn't forget so each september 11th we would have a a uh, reception of those in my administration who had worked uh, so hard on that day. I mean, literally all night long for days and, and night and day for weeks and months to help get through this and to to just share our memories and, and recognize the effort that all of us made uh, during that time frame. And then we said, you know, well, well, we're doing this. Wouldn't it be appropriate to, to recognize some of those who were not a part of the administration, who who were so enormously important in how they responded uh, to that uh, horrible attack, that horrible day, and, and to the rebuilding in New York and reclaiming our belief in freedom? And uh, so we've done that every year. And after the horrible Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, our whole belief is in the importance and value of freedom. And when a country invades and tries to destroy another and take away its freedom, uh, we just felt an obligation to do something. So the Pataki Center has, since literally the third or fourth day of the Ukrainian war, been uh, providing humanitarian relief to civilians across Ukraine. And people from our center have made 11 trips now to Ukraine. We've provided millions in aid and That first winter when Russia was trying to destroy the infrastructure, the heating system and the electrical system, we took in hundreds and hundreds of generators and heaters and other things to help Ukraine get through that winter. And uh, we're just going to continue to do our best to try to provide that humanitarian relief to the Ukrainian uh, civilians who are uh, fighting so hard to uh, protect their freedom. Mm.
0: Thank you so much for spending time with me today and remembering that day 22 years ago. Um, I, we can't forget. And I really want to thank you for your service and your leadership uh, in a time where, you know, I think we greatly need it. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Janice. And thank you for helping people remember the uh, the lessons of September 11th and so that we can move forward with greater confidence and The freedom of this great country.
0: We keep the history alive by telling stories, don't we?
1: Exactly right, Janice. Thank you.
0: Thank you, my friend. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. My second guest is Sonia Agron, who promised her NYPD officer husband who responded on 9-11 that she would not go to Ground Zero to help. But Sonia says... She could not keep that promise, as she volunteered as a recovery worker during the overnight shifts. Since then, she and her husband have dealt with many illnesses due to the exposure to Ground Zero's toxic environment. But in spite of this pain, Sonia has continued to volunteer by leading tours at the 9-11 Tribute Museum and 9-11 Memorial. Sonia is part of a podcast called An Army of Normal Folks, based on Coach Bill Courtney's vision that, quote, our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits talking big words in TV, but an army of normal just deciding, hey, I can help. Please welcome Sonia Agron on this special 9-11 anniversary of the Janice Dean Podcast. So listen, uh, thank you for doing this. Um, you know, tell me about the project. How did this all come about?
2: Well, um an army of normal people i i found out about it through alex cortez he asked me to do um 20 for 20 um when we were celib- when we were getting into the 20th year of the anniversary of the attacks mm-hmm. and um i just told him a little bit of my story and then the next thing i know about a year and a half later he calls me if see if i wanted to be a part of this Group Army of normal people and um, I thought it was very interesting because of the world we live in today and so uh, the next thing I know, I'm sharing my nine eleven story with this amazing guy bell who who seems to have done amazing things, and I kind of told Alex my story has no relevance to the great things he's doing, but yet here i am mm. um and it was it was it was just a very good feeling for me to be a part of a Simple group that does good mm. doesn't take anything else but just just you and doing a, an act of kindness or making a difference and, and that's what I loved about it.
0: hmm So tell me the 22nd anniversary of 9/11 um, uh, I know listen, my husband's a firefighter, he lost all of the men in his firehouse that day. He was
2: thank him for his service. Oh, thank you. Thank Thank you.
0: But I see it. I see it in his face, his demeanor. Um, It doesn't matter. It could be two years, 10 years, 22 years, 40 years. Um, This time of year really, you know, wears on him. How, how is it for you?
2: Well, um, it wears on me and my husband. He was um, NYPD. Mm -hmm. 9-11 is
0: his birthday. Oh my goodness. Thank him for his service.
2: Yeah. And, And you know, um, I, I say this about firefighters and police officers because of the dangers of their jobs and what they deal with every day. And on 9-11 and thereafter, they held so much in because that, that was part of their job. They're you know supposed to be big, grown, tough people. And I believe many of them really were never really allowed to express those innermost fearful Horrific emotions, and they live with that every day. I see it in my husband every day. And now, for me, I became a recovery worker, and I fully understood what haunted my husband once I became a recovery worker. So, I hold all these first responders and recovery workers very dear to my heart because it's something that we happened. It was a global event on a very personal level. And sometimes, you know, it's It's hard for people to understand why we're still feeling the way that we do, but but it just didn't end for us. Mm -hmm. It continues to this very
0: day and people don't seem to understand that. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your husband and where he was on that day.
2: Well, my husband actually was um, home that morning. Um, I was headed into Manhattan and all he had to do was take our daughter to school. But he would hear the news, the breaking news, the very first breaking news. And he didn't wait for any more information. Mm. He was here for 1993. And when he came home the following day, he very sadly said to me, they're not done with us. They'll be back. And we had better be prepared. Hmm. So when he hears this news... He goes right into full action. He doesn't wait for any other information. He runs to the school, picks up our daughter, brings her back home, goes to his precinct. And the next thing you know, they removed him from the precinct and assigned him to the World Trade Center. And that's where he was um, when he called me to tell me to get out of Manhattan. But what he was saying didn't quite make sense to me. And then we got cut off. And all I knew was that I had to get out and I couldn't go on the trains, but the city had shut down. And now it was a guessing game. You know, what do I know? What do I do? What's my next step? And then I would find out in a hotel lobby, watching the television as things started to unfold. And um, I wondered at that point where he was calling me from because he knew so much information. And that would be the whole entire day until I was able to finally get home. And then he did call. So my daughter and I were feeling like, okay, everything's good. You know, daddy called and he tells us he's going to be um, in the vicinity of tower seven, but he was going to call us at 10 and we hung up feeling, okay, everything's going to be fine. And then tower seven collapsed Mm -hmm. and it became another waiting game. And, as a wife, I couldn't share this with my daughter, but I was already making the funeral plans mm. for the second time that day:
0: And then when did you hear from him next?
2: Well, he didn't call at 10 when he said he was going to call. Um, he would show up the next day. It was starting to get daylight, and I kind of had a hard time thinking, how was I going to be um, a single? Widow mom, you know? Um, and I'm trying to talk to my daughter. How do you tell the 16-year-old that the world has changed and it has affected us personally? And so I try to get her to calm down. And as I was walking um, into my foyer, the door slowly opened up. And I was I was in shock. Mm. He walked in. <laughs> but I knew that... The person who walked in was not the man I kissed goodbye the day before. Mm-hmm. He was just totally different. And I could see all the soot on him. And he just went into silent mode and just said, you need to patch me up. I'm injured. And the world changed again for us at that point, once again.
0: And what's your profession, Sonia?
2: Well, I, I'm a retired um, emergency medical technician from the city of New York. So what I've been doing for the last 16 years has been a volunteer docent, first at the 9-11 Tribute Museum, which was the first museum opened at Ground Zero, started by the families. And now I'm at the 9-11 Memorial Museum. And so I'm a docent there. I give talks, I interpret artifacts. Um, I do whatever is asked of me, honestly. to honor and remember that day. But selfishly, it's, um, it's cheaper than therapy. Mm. I need to be there. It's the place that I find to, um, to just get these ugly memories out of my head, which honestly, they still pop up. But I'm on the memorial and I see the beauty of the waterfalls. I'm in the museum and I'm getting to speak to people from all over. And the museum has given me those tools um, to do just that. And at the end of my day, I come home feeling a little bit better, that I didn't have to keep something in, that I got to tell other people why this day is important and why every day since then is even more important.
0: Mm. It's so true. And when people come to New York, more often than not, um, I ask them what they saw. Did they see a show? What restaurants did they go to with their family? They tell me that they go to the 9/11 museum and and that to me was is very important because here we are 22 years later and people still want to go and revisit and remember and you know it must take a lot out of you to get up every day and and have to sort of relive telling people about it but you see that as sort of a therapy it
2: it's the the beauty of the 9/11 Memorial Museum is that um, we share the timeline of that day, you know, 846, 903. And, and i that's all that is required of me. Um, but there is plenty of opportunities to share little bits and pieces of my story. And the museum has encouraged that because when people come, and I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, in the beginning, they came and it was just, amazing for them in in a very sad way, that they're seeing something different than what they saw on TV. And so those first few years, that's what it was all about. And I would share my story, and I would feel at the end of the day that a bunch of people came into the museum and knew something else that they had no idea was going on. And the museum has allowed that um, to go forth out there. But now I find that, um, especially after COVID, um, people are coming in and they're wanting to share their story. They want to tell us where they were. And I feel, well, it was therapeutic for me. And here are these people coming in. They, they need to get that out of their system. It's, it's enough for them. And when they bring their kids, I'm always super honored because mm-hmm. this is the world that those children inherited. And they think the things that we do now, like going to the airport, taking off our shoes, um, is normal. And it's important for me to tell them, no, that's not normal. Those are the consequences of an act of hate. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing when I'm done that I can tell them, now what are you going to do to be a better person? How are you going to go back home and make your neighborhood a better person? I, you know, I'm very big on community. I'm very big on paying it forward. And I hope in the 10 years that I've been there that I've inspired even one young person to understand that in life there's going to be a tragedy that they're going to experience and it's going to change them, but that they should make sure that that change is something good and positive because the alternative just won't work.
0: Mm -hmm. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. And how is your husband today?
2: Um, Well, we're both sick. Um, from the toxins. My husband, um, sorry, Um, my husband uh, is is now in recovery from his um, cancer. Um, About three years ago, he had a tumor removed from his spine that was covering 85% of his lower spine. Um, Both of us um, have issues with our sinuses, Mm -hmm. um, our esophagus, our stomachs. Uh, we, We take a lot of meds. And um I have about two autoimmune diseases that you know they're gonna live with that for the rest of my life. Um and that's just the physical part, the um emotional part, uh, this is the time when he um he becomes quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm the talker, I'm <laughs> the one that let's get it out, let's go do this, let's go do that. Um, but I've learned in the last few years that it's best to let him be in the place he needs to be. And I'm, I go where I need to go and, and be at peace. And, you know, um, it's not 22 years. It's yesterday. Yes. And we're going to the Memorial again this year. Um, and we cry the same way we cried 22 years ago. And we see the things that we saw 22 years ago. And the memorial is absolutely beautiful and breathtaking and and peaceful. But on that day, that's not what we see. Mm. And uh, it takes us from August to the end of September to um, find our place of normalcy. Because sometimes the abnormal becomes normal for us, and that's just not a good place to be in. But um, he's in his quiet phase right now. And um, I respect that. I leave that... He's entitled to that. It's okay.
0: Mm -hmm. My husband, this is his quiet time too. And he also has um, illnesses. You know, he has asthma. He has the sinus issues. um, uh, Some of the skin cancer that he's had, they've attributed to being down at ground zero. Um, And, you know, people don't realize this, but more Americans have died in the aftermath of 9-11 from the illnesses from the day of the attack and yep. not a lot of people know that
2: this is and, and this is the 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 museum now is actually going to start i'm not sure of the uh start date but they're actually putting an exhibit about, about that um regarding the health effects and uh about six years ago they put an exhibit for us in the um historical exhibit in a big case they had all our medicines and whatnot and we went there about in July, I had, a, I had a shift and I walked in there and I looked at my husband and I said, you know, if they ever decided to upgrade this, they're going to have to get a bigger box. <laughs> um, and, um, it's, it's important to talk about that because um, for years after 9-11, many of us were guilted um, into why are you crying? Um, why are you feeling this way? Your loved one came home. You're Okay. And and we, we I felt guilty. I, mm-hmm. I isolated myself. You know, um, those first few years, uh, our family was fractured um, because, well, he just didn't know how to speak about it. And I just didn't know how to reach him out. This had never happened. And um, when I found my volunteer work at the museum, I I found a voice and I I, I encouraged him to find his uh, and he did. But. Um, He's still not comfortable doing that. And so I do it for the both of us. Mm That people don't, um, when people tell us to forget, I I smile, I used to get angry. I smile and I tell them, you want me to forget so you don't have to remember. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to forget. I have, I lived it. My husband lived it. My family lived it. It changed us all. That's not something that's easily forgotten. Mm
0: -hmm. Why did you feel that you needed to go down and be a recovery worker in the overnight hours after that fateful day? Well,
2: yeah, that was, I did that for two reasons. Number one, you know, it's in me. You you have to help your community. And and this was happening in um, my backyard, so to speak. But the most important reason was in the days after 9-11, school had started and um, I had to take my daughter to school. And so, I knew she was afraid and I knew she didn't want to go, but I needed her to be 16. And so every day that I dropped her off, you know, I gave her this big pep talk. And as soon as she walked in, I would just drive a few feet under some trees and I would sit there until it was time to just move back and get her. And every day I lied. I told her everything was good. I told her I had a great day. Um, And then one day she let me know that she could see me out the window. And I thought, I've been trying to be a mom, you know, help her get through this. And I failed. And I thought I sent her the wrong message. And I made a few phone calls. And I decided if I'm telling her that she has to stare fear in the face and she has to deal with adversity, I'm not doing a good job of showing that. And um, within days, I was assigned to ground zero. Um, I don't ever, I will never regret it. It was one of the things that I would do again, over and over again. But um, it was important for the world to see that, yeah, we were hit. We, were, we, we took a really bad hit, but we didn't fall. We came together as a community, as a city, as a nation, as a country. And I so wish that we can do that now without having a tragedy. I don't know why people nowadays can't just can't just be kind to each other. Mm. And that's what I experienced. And my work as a as a recovery worker, um, I became a hugger after that. You know, I I actually genuinely, when I ask you how's your day, I'm willing to stand and wait for you to tell me. It's not just a passing, you know, phrase. Um, and so, becoming a recovery worker was just part of my DNA. Even if I hadn't lied to my daughter, I would have found a way to go down there. You know, once a first responder, always a first responder. Mm. And that was That was just fit for me. There was just no other there was no other option for me i I needed to be there. I had to be there
0: mm-hmm. and i did. How's your daughter doing today?
2: well um she's an educator um, she uh teaches nine eleven for the first a few school days, but sometimes there's anger in her um when one of her parents winds up being in the hospital and having another surgery, and you know she she voiced her opinion a few years ago. Um, she was very hurt she said, "I'm so sick and tired of all of you being sick, I am so tired of this and my husband and I realized you know i I was so busy taking care of him and running the household and you know making things okay for her, but I never really sat down and talked to her after she got to school or, um it, she's so hurt um and everything changed for her, but she did learn she did learn um whenever I would see her you know it's not a good week for us you know she um required she calls me every day now leading up to Monday. And she's just like, so wish it never happened, mom. And and she's 38 and she still cries like she was 16. Mm. So, you know, that's another thing that I would love people to understand. It doesn't matter how old we were when it happened. It's how old we are today and how we still feel about that. And and she does her best. You know, she's a mom now and she's a teacher. And um, I'm so proud of her that she took This bad situation that has haunted us and so many people and has decided to send a message to her young students about, yeah, this happened and this is the world you live in, but here's my story. And here's how I've lived my life, and there's there's so much opportunity for you to do the same. You don't have to wait for a tragedy to happen and And I'm proud of her, but she's she's hurt. There's a lot of young adults out there that are hurting because of what their parents had to deal with mm-hmm. and And they were traumatized too. They had to watch us go through this. Um, And and we don't give them enough credit. We don't give them enough credit when when they get angry or they do dumb things. And we know is that their way of rebelling because they haven't been able to handle certain things. And, yeah, I think 9-11 messed our children up, too.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you want people to remember the most on this day?
2: Well, hate has no part in our lives and we witnessed hate but we also saw the kindness of strangers we saw we witnessed the worst of humanity but we experienced the best of humanity and so many beautiful things happened after 9-11 because of families who lost loved ones and that's the world we should be living in so I want them to think seriously about the things that affect them and I always Try to give them an example by saying, you can choose to mourn that roses have thorns or you can celebrate that thorns have roses. It's all about perspective and we need to be better people. I want them to remember that it wasn't just 3,000 people, it was more. And I want them to understand that anything that they do for good honors, honors those people and helps other people understand that they too can live in a really good, great, wonderful, loving world. Mm -hmm. You know, love is stronger than hate.
0: Amen. And I'll be thinking about you, Sonia, and your husband and your family. Um, We all have to grieve and mourn in our own way, but it is we have to continue to remind people of that day and how we can be better human beings afterwards. And you're a... Good reminder of that. So thank Absolutely. you, thank you, thank, thank you. you for doing this.
2: <laughs> You're thank welcome you so much. And thank your husband. I hope uh, he has a, a peaceful day. And um, I I know that you, as a wife, I'm a wife, retired police officer, and I know that there are things that you probably keep to yourself because it's so sad and hurtful. I want you to know that there are a lot of eyes out there that feel the same way. And, and like, you know, we're not alone. We might think we are, but uh, I just met a wife with a firefighter and look what she's doing. This is what you're doing for the 9-11 community. And I thank you for that. Oh,
0: well, I will continue to tell the stories because we can't forget ever. Absolutely. Well, God bless you. I hope I get to meet you in person, Sonia, at some point. Um oh. And I'll, I will definitely, um, you know, plug the, the special, An Army of Normal Folks. That's awesome on the Apple podcast. Um, it sounds great. like an that incredible, cool. incredible Thank po- you so much. You're welcome. And be in touch, okay? Yes, I will. God bless. All my love. Yeah, same here. Thank you. Thanks to Sonia again for joining us on this 9-11 anniversary podcast. You can hear more about Sonia and the incredible Americans doing extraordinary things on the podcast called Army of Normal Folks. And thank you again to Governor Pataki for your kindness, your leadership and the importance of remembering what happened 22 years ago today, September 11th, 2001. If you would like to find out more about the Pataki Foundation and how you can get involved or donate, you can visit www.georgepatakicenter.com. And thanks to all of you for joining me today for this anniversary, remembering the lives we lost and the families that still mourn, not just from that day 22 years ago, but ones who are still with us and carrying the after effects, both physically and mentally from that day. Say a prayer for them too. And God bless them all. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's list, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast.